Hi there everyone, we're continuing today and we're going to be talking about the immutability of God and this is part of our series on the attributes of God and I trust that you've been enjoying that. God is immutable, God is immutable. Simply put, God does not change. Isn't that so powerful? He does not change with regards to his character, with regards to his will, with regards to his covenantal promises. As stated in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, God is a spirit whose being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth are infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. This is so comforting and encouraging for the believers. And I'm going to unpack this for you. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 25, it says, He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. You see, this has major implications for us as believers. It means that his personality does not change. He doesn't change his mind with regards to his promises. His immutability is actually expressed also in his covenantal mindset. He sticks to his agreements with us. We often don't do so with the people that we're dealing with, but he does so. That's his nature. You know, when God called you, he already knew all the mistakes that you would make. He already knew. He was not uh, disillusioned when you started making mistakes. He was never illusioned in the first place, but he still called you. He still called you. He sticks to his agreements with us. He sticks to his agreements with us. His word is still actively seeking to perform that which was spoken, that which he spoke. He hasn't called his word back and says, oh no, you know what? I'm going to renege from uh, this deal. Okay, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, the Bible says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Some translations say void. Okay, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's comforting and encouraging to me. The implications of this can be so phenomenal in terms of how we end up praying prayers, how we wage war according to prophecy. Isn't it great that we have a God who doesn't have mood swings? Doesn't have mood swings. You can go to him in prayer one day and go to him in prayer the next day. He hasn't changed. So in summary, God does not change in essence. And when we talk about in essence, in terms of his makeup, right? Whatever God is made up of. We know in scripture, it says that God is spirit. He doesn't change. We change, right? Um, you know, we change in terms of our wisdom, our maturity as we grow older, right? We also change in terms of some of our physical abilities as we grow older, but he doesn't change in essence. He doesn't change with regards to his attributes. He doesn't change in his plans, in his promises, in the objects of his affection, won't say, oh, I used to love you, Paul. Now I, I've stopped loving you and I now love this other person. It doesn't change in his word and in the consequences of being outside of his covenant. You see, we like to focus just on the good things about God, right? That don't change. But the things we don't like, and it's still part of his goodness, of course, but the things we don't like, we end up thinking to ourselves, oh, I hope he changes his mind on that one. No, 
He's only got one salvation plan. There's no plan B when it comes to salvation. So when it comes to the consequences of being outside of his covenant, he doesn't change. And that's why, for example, if you look at John 3, 18, it says, he who does not believe is already condemned. In other words, is already uh, facing the wrath of God unless he believes, unless he chooses to believe. All right. In Hebrews 9, 27, it says it is destined for every man, for each man to die once and then comes the judgment. All right. No reincarnation, no other chance. It's destined for every man to die once and then comes the judgment. So let's dive into this. I think this is such a powerful concept with regards to God's attributes because we can trust God's immutability knowing that his unchanging plan will always be for his glory and also for the good of mankind. And this is actually because his immutability is always in the context, and I've been saying this a lot, but it's always in the context of his other attributes, such as his love and his mercy. So God is unalterable. He's unalterable. You can't change him, right? He can't increase or decrease. He can't increase or decrease. You know, uh, examining some of God's other attributes actually uh, helps us to see by implication that he's indeed immutable. For example, the fact that God is perfect means that he can't change. Changing would imply a change from perfection. Then he wouldn't be God anymore. Just think about that. I like what uh, the great Puritan uh, Herman Bavinck said. Immutability is a natural implication of God's aseity. Now, his aseity is his self-sufficiency, okay? He doesn't get life from outside of himself, right? While everything changes, God is and remains the same. If God were not immutable, he would not be God. To God alone belongs true being, and that which truly is remains. Contrary to both deism and pantheism, God who is cannot change, for every change would diminish his being. Isn't that powerful? I also like what Charles Spurgeon said. If one thing is infinite, there is no room for anything else. For infinite means all. It means not bounded, not finite, having no end. Well, there cannot be two infinite infinities. The fact of his being an infinite being at once quashes the thought of his being a changeable being. Infinity has written on its very brow the word immutability. Because God is perfect, he's immutable. Because God is infinite and eternal, he's immutable. God's immutability protects us. It's actually based on his mercy, which is his covenant to keep on loving us. Have a look at Malachi 3 verse 6, which is one of the key scriptures when it comes to God's immutability. I, the Lord, do not change. I love it when God talks about himself. This is not us describing him. He's describing himself. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed His immutability protects me. This is covenantal language being used here. Their freedom from destruction is based on their association with Jacob's covenant with God, which is really Abraham's covenant with God, isn't it? 
On the one hand, he does not change his mind with regards to the consequences of staying outside his covenant. Whilst on the other hand, he does not change his mind concerning his covenant of mercy when we turn back to him. For example, he has made a promise that if my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will heal their land, right? So there are consequences to our disobedience, but at the same time, there are also positive consequences, his mercy when we cry out for forgiveness. And scripture shows us that mercy triumphs over judgment. He's immutable with regards to these things. God's immutability means that he's eternally changeless. In James chapter 1, I'm sure you love this passage, verse 17, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Powerful. The word used for change here is the word paralage in the Greek, and it means to change. It means variation or mutation. And the word shift here is the word trope, which also means the same thing. It speaks of turning, trope, turn. God doesn't turn, all right? It speaks of changing. It speaks of mutating. He doesn't. We do. So this means that if Jesus healed when he was on earth, it means that he heals today. He's still in the healing business today. See, this is a problem for those who become these secessionists who believe that miracles were just for the early church. No, but God hasn't changed his nature. He's still Jehovah Rapha. He hasn't stopped being, I'm the God who heals you. His nature hasn't changed. The same God that healed through Peter's shadow is here today. The same God that appeared in the cloud of glory where the priests could no longer minister because they'd fallen to the ground. It's the same God today. In Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's an encouraging statement for the believer. God's word is immutable. His word is immutable. God is unchanging in his word. He's unchanging in his word. When it goes out, it can't fail to come to pass. This is extremely significant. Let's look at Psalms 119, which is uh, such a long psalm, but so powerful. It's actually longer. This is interesting. It's longer than 30 of the books in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? And this psalm is actually focused on glorifying the perfections of God's word. Let's have a look at it. Because we're saying God's word is immutable. In the book of Psalms 119, verse 89, it says, Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. There's nothing firmer than his word. Heaven and earth will pass away, the Bible says, but his word remains. Isn't that amazing? That's how fixed his word is. In verse 160, it says, All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. There's a pastor called Steve Lawson, and he speaks of how when he was studying law, some of the laws had changed by the time he was writing his final exams. In that final semester, things he had studied earlier on, months before, by the time he was writing his exams, hey, the law has changed. The law that I'd crammed, that I had studied, it's changed now. And he subsequently made a decision to study a law that never changes. That's the amazing thing. 
God's laws never change. In Isaiah 40 verse 8, it says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. The enduring, incorruptible word of God. That word that you've received, that word that you've memorized, that word that you've claimed for yourself, it does not change. This is such a powerful revelation to have. It does not change because God does not change. You see, there's no new standard from one generation to another. I remember in one of my workshops some time back, someone talking about how, yeah, but values change. Now, this is someone who's in, in the mindset of moral relativism, you know, where it's like, hey, what's good for you might not be good for me with regards to morality, right? But you see, there's no new standard from one generation to another. Adultery is adultery. Whether you're living in the 16th century, 13th century, uh, 5 um, BC or 2021, adultery is adultery. All right. Um, sometimes we've got this mindset of, oh, we're now dealing with millennials. So this is now OK. All right. But God hasn't changed. We're the ones who are changing. We're the ones who've lowered our standards, you know. Sometimes we look back at chivalry and we see what gentlemen used to be like and we admire it and we're like, wow, that was so amazing. Well, gentlemen can be the same today. You don't have to change. There's a way you honor a woman. You don't have to change. We can't just say, oh, we're now in, the, in modern society, so we're not going to honor women. No. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, for truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the, small, not the least stroke of a pen will, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Okay. And that word for stroke, it's interesting. It's called a yod. It's like an apostrophe. Okay, uh, it's like, you know, if you look at the difference between an I, a little, little small case I, and maybe a small case T, it's that little, little stroke, all right? That's the enduring power of his word. In Luke chapter 16, verse 17, it says, It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. This is Jesus speaking, all right? Understanding God's immutable nature motivates us to align with his agenda as opposed to fighting against it. Man cannot curse what God has already blessed. Man cannot demote that which God has already promoted. Isn't that amazing? In Numbers 23, 19 to 20, it says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I've received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot change it. You know, when you look at Balaam and Balak and that whole thing, and I would encourage you to go and have a read of it, but you cannot curse that which God has blessed. You can't, okay? Because God hasn't changed his mind concerning that which he's chosen to bless. You see, understanding his immutable nature will help you to keep believing that his promises will be fulfilled. And one of the problems we have on the African continent is we fear bewitchment so much. We've got this thing of like, oh, this person put a curse on me. Oh, this person did this. Are you blessed by God? If God has blessed you, no man can curse you. You're uncursable. 
And it's important to be able to receive this because the moment you open your door to fear of this person did this, that person did, did that, you're actually opening yourself into the enemy's kingdom. One of the key things the enemy thrives upon in believers' lives is fear. Fear gives them access. Fear gives them a legal right to begin to function in your life and mess around with you. But when you operate from the spirit of faith, knowing that you've been blessed by God and that that's a higher law than what any person can do to you, you will remain in that blessed state. In the book of uh, Psalms 33, Psalms chapter 33, verses 10 through to 11, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. As I've been meditating on this, I've been praying and I've been saying, Lord, this is what you spoke into our lives 12 years ago, 15 years ago, 14 years ago. These are the things you said and you haven't changed your mind. Circumstances change. We change, but he hasn't changed his mind. You see, his immutable nature, when you grasp it, it will help you to keep believing that his promises will be fulfilled. It is this aspect of God's character, I believe, that really helps us when it comes to uh, waging warfare, according to the prophecies that we've received. When you understand how mighty God is, it becomes so much easier to trust him for bigger breakthroughs, even in society. The Lord foils the plans of nations. God can do that. God can do that, right? So his immutability must be understood in the context of his sovereignty and his aseity. And it makes you so powerful in prayer when you can pray strong prayers like that. To say, God, you can foil that plan. That plan is not of you. You can foil it. God, you can thwart the purposes of those people over there. And you do these things responsibly, of course, as you're praying this. But you can pray it, especially when there's injustice, especially when there's evil uh, plotting taking place in your nation. In the book of Job, uh, chapter 23, verse 13, but he stands alone, but he stands alone and who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. We can cry out to God and we can say, Lord, your purposes prevail. You see, God's values do not change. God's eternal purpose does not change, right? The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. So powerful. In Hebrews 6, 17 to 18, it says, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, some translations say by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. He has promised to bring salvation to us. Bible says those who call upon the Lord will be saved. Bible tells us that when we knock, he responds. It's immutable. He hasn't changed his mind concerning this. Bible tells us that if we believe that God raised him from the dead, that God raised Jesus from the dead, and we believe that in our heart, we will be saved. We will be saved. 
if we confess that Jesus is Lord, confess means to say the same as, to agree that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That is so powerful. Go ahead and look at that in Romans 10. So powerful. Okay. Now we've become so used to dealing with flawed human laws that needs to be challenged. So we're used to the whole concept of challenging laws. And sometimes this, this makes it difficult for us uh, when it comes to understanding that God's laws, his moral laws, they're immutable, right? His statements in the word, his prophecies, it's immutable. The things he's released, they're immutable. They're unchanging, you see. For example, Thurgood Marshall, um, he was the first black chief justice. Uh, he was very involved uh, in the United States in terms of the civil rights movement and so on. But um, he said something interesting. He said, the process of democracy is one of change. Our laws are not frozen into immutable form. They are constantly in the process of revision in response to the needs of a changing society. Okay, so when it comes to challenging certain things that have been made by depraved man, all right, made up by depraved man, yes, it's changeable, but God's laws are immutable. And that's the, there's a difference there. So he played, uh, this, this, this guy, um, Thurgood Marshall, played an important role in the civil rights movement. So we do need to challenge laws that are not aligned with preserving human rights. Okay, and that's important. But when it comes to certain moral laws that God has put in place for our protection, that people feel free to change today, saying, oh, they're so archaic. Sadly, the humanistic moral relativism of the day has resulted in us challenging God's immutable laws. And we need to know what these immutable laws are. We need to understand his immutable word, the things that cannot change. You see, um, if you look at some of the great social reforms and educational reforms brought about by people like John Dewey, John Dewey was a great um, philosopher and psychologist. The sad thing, though, is despite the great things he did in terms of education and helping us to understand some of these things and really birthing educational psychology, etc. The sad thing is, look what he had to say about God's immutability. He says, there's no God and there's no soul. Hence, there is no need for the props of traditional religion. With dogma and creed excluded, then immutable truth is dead and buried. There is no room for fixed and natural law or permanent moral absolutes. That's extremely dangerous. There's a lot of good stuff this guy did in the first half of the last century and so on. That's a bit of a problem. So the moment we use terms like immutable, people tend to resist this because they've seen the abuse of it. The reality is that depraved man has attempted to theorize around certain realities they don't want to change in order to reinforce domination, all right, or discrimination, whatever agenda they've had. For example, if you look at the former governor of Georgia in the 1800s, okay, he became vice president of the Confederate States. Um, he said this, he said this, uh, some of you might be familiar with Alexander H. Stevens. He said, as a race, the African is inferior to the white man. Subordination to the white man is, normal, is, a, is his normal condition. He is not his equal by nature and cannot be made so by human laws or human institutions. Our system, therefore, so far as regards this inferior race, 
rests upon this great immutable law of nature. Okay, so we see that when man tries to declare certain things as mutable and says this about nature and this is how we view things. I mean, this guy owned slaves and that kind of thing, right? And uh, sometimes when people were in that state, they would come up with certain belief systems just to justify what they were doing, for example, right? However, immutability in the hands of God and when describing God and God's word and God's law, it's safe, right? He would not be God were he not immutable. God's immutability has implications for our gifting and our callings. This is such good news for many of us. In the book of Romans chapter 11, verse 29, it says, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. In other words, he doesn't change his mind. If he said, Paul, you will be a pastor, right? Paul, I've given you the following gifts. It doesn't change his mind concerning that. We're the ones who reject the gifts. We're the ones who uh, don't develop ourselves in certain areas. All right. And then we become ineffective. But God's gifts and his callings are irrevocable. Some translations will say are without repentance. The word to repent means to change your mind. Okay. So that encourages me. That really encourages me. He doesn't change his mind concerning the gifts and the calling. Remember that he created you with a purpose in mind. And that's why when someone falls and you take them through some process of discipline, the goal is restoration. The goal is we want to take you through this process of discipline so that you get back to fulfilling your purpose because God has still called you. He doesn't uncall you. Okay. So we're the ones who change, not him. We're the ones who change, not him. We're ever changing, but he doesn't change. For example, we get older. We change in levels of wisdom. Our physical body changes. How many of you can say you look the same way you looked when, you know, 20 years ago, right? How many of you can say that? Psalm 119 verses 89 to 91. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. He doesn't stop being faithful. You established the earth and it endures. How did he establish the earth? With his word. Your laws endure to this day for all things serve you. All things serve him. The sun serves him. It rises when he says it must rise. Okay. God spoke and created the world with his words. His word endures. All things were created to serve him. Isn't that powerful? Okay, this is the power of his enduring word. The sun rises when it's supposed to, you know, there are laws that he's actually established in the universe and he hasn't changed those laws. For example, the law of seed time and harvest, the law of sowing and reaping. He's established these things and they don't change. We like them to change sometimes, but they don't change. In the book of Psalms 102 verses 26 to 27, they will perish but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing, you will change them and they will be discarded. But you remain the same and your years will never end. Can you see he's immutable and his immutability must be understood in the context of his eternality. Okay, your years will never 
end. Isn't it amazing? You know, when you study geology, when you study geography, you know, you learn that, hey, you know, that mountain wasn't always there. It actually shifted, didn't it? Hey, that river didn't look like that a number of years ago. It's actually shifted. So even the physical things on the earth, they change. They change. There's wear and tear on our physical bodies, but God's essence doesn't change. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. His purpose doesn't change. My plans are forever changing, but his purpose prevails. I want to be aligned with his unchanging and unfailing purpose. My plans are many, but his purpose prevails in my life. If I allow him to, if I allow him to, because often we can reject his purpose. You see, I still need to pray the prayer of relinquishment and allow him to be Lord. Lord, you are unchangeable. That thing that you spoke over me 25 years ago, 35 years ago, I yield to that. I'm, I'm no longer going to keep fighting it. I'm yielding to it because it's your purpose that will prevail. You see, do you sometimes think of uh, or feel that God has changed his mind concerning you and your purpose. Where do these thoughts come from? Where do these thoughts come from? Is this the voice of shame? Is this the voice of condemnation? Is this the voice of disillusionment perhaps or despair? It's important for you to understand today that his blessing and his favor lasts a lifetime. In the book of Psalms, Chapter 30, verse 5, it says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. You see, just because you went through a season of discipline from the Lord does not mean that that is his default state toward you. There'll be a time of weeping, but it will last only a night, and then you will get up and you will rise up your whole life doesn't have to be like that. There's no hidden catch to this. If you're experiencing God's favor, his favor will last a lifetime. Don't think to yourself, oh, God has changed his mind now. And for the next 10 years, I won't walk in his favor. It was just a once off. There's no hidden catch to this. Stop doubting. Mercy triumphs over judgment. God does not want you to be a one hit wonder. He hasn't changed his mind concerning his blessing over you and his favor over you. So when you have breakthrough, don't think to yourself, that was a fluke. You see, we get into that mindset. That was a fluke. No, it wasn't a fluke. That's his nature and character manifest in your life. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 14, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. God in this hour wants to build things that will last. God is glorified when this happens. He has a plan for your life and he doesn't want you to be that one hit wonder. You know, he doesn't want you to be that person who uh, is a Zephyr. You know, a Zephyr is like this little wind, a gust of wind that quickly disappears, right? He wants you to be a legend. He wants you to be someone who lasts, where you, le you leave a legacy, all right? The only person who can stop this from happening is you. Have you believed the lie that God has changed his mind about you? Think back to a time in your life when you believed his promises 
Think back to that time when you were believing his promises. At what point did doubt and unbelief enter? Did you get offended with God because of something that happened? You're expecting it to happen this way, then it happened a different way. And then unbelief entered and you stopped believing his word. The Bible tells us that it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. Was it when you looked at the circumstances or the lack of results that you thought, so God has changed his mind? No, he hasn't changed his mind. Maybe other things happened. Maybe they were confounding variables, but his purpose and his word for you is the same. God hasn't changed his mind about you. You need to persevere. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, it says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. My prayer for us today is that we embrace that spirit of faith that says God never changes. His word never changes. His purpose never changes. His nature never changes. His attributes never change. And we embrace that and we wage war according to the prophecies that we've received. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are immutable. We thank you, God, that you will always be perfect, eternally unchangeable. And Lord, we stand in the spirit of faith, believing you for great things in this life. We thank you, God, that your salvation plan will never change. We thank you, Father, that your covenant with us will never change. And so we embrace your promises. We embrace your prophetic word because you are the God who never changes. We thank you that your word is immutable, that when it goes out, you don't call it back, but it accomplishes that for which it's been sent out. We receive this word, Lord God. And we thank you, Father, that the spirit of faith is rising up and that through faith and perseverance, through faith and patience, we will inherit the promises of God. We pray this right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you.